Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? And we're back with a Brentford preview. Less than... 15 hours ago, <laughs> just about 15 hours ago, I think we were, it was the last time we spoke to some of you guys, but uh, we are back after what was pretty much a whirlwind night last night, I think we all agree, and without really getting what went on last night, and even the, the Trina loss and, and the, the sacking of Gerrard, um, we will look forward to the Brentford game, because as with life, football goes on and it goes on in perpetuity and we hope in this instance that it will go on to good effect for Aston Villa and that even though we have removed the man at the top of the pyramid that um that Aston Villa will still be able to be prepared and put in a good performance at this weekend against Brentford. Paddy I suppose the biggest news that's come out this morning has been that Steven Gerrard's backroom team to a man have been relieved of their duties as well today and the three men that preceded Steven Gerrard prior to his uh, his introduction to the club have stayed in the form of Austin McPhee, Aaron Danks and Neil Cutler. And it seems that Aaron Danks is going to be the man that's going to be uh, hugging the touchline, I should say, for uh, Aston Villa at Brentford at the weekend. Talk to me a little bit about that. I know, obviously, we, were not, we weren't going to have a new manager in the dugout at this weekend, so it was always going to be a holdover from somebody probably within the club. But... Um, Talk to me a small little bit about that, Paddy, because Aaron Danks is supposed to be a good coach, but, you know, maybe, I, I don't know, and it's been said a couple of times that potentially we could have had a stifling effect of too many coaches within there and nobody was allowed shine specifically after Michael Beale left. Well, it, it appeared for the last few months that nobody was allowed to stand up other than uh, when we had a set piece and he was joined on the touchline by Austin McPhee. Mm. Um, look, it, it's... I was going to say it's a strange situation. It's it's not really. What's left in there are Johan Langer's men. 
Um, you know, Danks, McPhee and, and Cutler seem to be Johan Lang's men. They were on the inside, I'm sure, reporting back to the outside and letting them know everything that's going on. Um, it's it is what it is for now. Uh, we we wanted it. We wanted him gone last night, and we wanted the search to start in earnest today. No doubt it has has started. Uh, regardless of what happened today, unless somebody was going to take training, they were never going to manage the team on Sunday. They would have sat in the stand like they always do and observe and and get ready for the week ahead. So we could still have that. That that could be a possibility. Then again, it might not. We just don't know. And uh, we don't know how knee how knee jerk that reaction was last night to 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 letting Gerard and his team go. But uh, yeah, no no surprise that his his colleagues are gone with him this morning. And uh, yeah, strange all weekend. We get them from time to time. It's been a year since we had one. So uh, look, we just gotta hope that Aaron Danks can come in and and hopefully get something out of it because above all else. We want points on the board. We don't want to, we don't want to look at Monday morning slipped into the bottom three. Absolutely, I think that's paramount for Aston Villa, and and that's where we were prior to Stephen Gerrard leaving. As we said, back to it again. Points need to be gotten by the eleven on the field, not by the man in the dugout. And I couldn't care less if Mister Blobby was there. That's going to be my phrase and my my catchphrase from here on in because I genuinely mean it. Now, saying that, guys, we do have a couple of there. Are, a couple of you guys are asking us who we want in. I'm going to try and do over the course of the evening tonight some small podcasts on Ruben Amarim and um and maybe one or two other guys um just maybe that are heading the the market at the moment. Um, maybe someone like Brendan Rogers as well might throw him in there or somebody like somebody because people want premiership experience and things. I'm going to try and cater to everybody. Okay. The, the Premier League experience thing is kind of like one of these things that makes me go like this because I'm just not sure. I think it might be a bit of an oxymoron from the point of view of, you know, that it's, it doesn't really matter when you look at who has actually won the Premier League and the managers that have won the Premier League. All of them that have won the Premier League have managed like they won it with their first team that they came to the Premier League with, if that makes serious makes sense. So I think there's a lot of discussion to be had around that and whether it is actually the be all and end all. But let's let's have a discussion about the, about the managers themselves at a later date, probably at a, later on tonight if I can find some time around our normal time of half past nine. Uh, we'll see if I'll be able to jump on and chat. Specifically, I want to chat about Ruben Amarim because it's somebody that I've been talking about for 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 a bit, and uh, um, he's an exciting name that's come up. But anyway, back to this game today, Paddy. You were talking about you know the fact that these guys are um, Johan Langer's men, and they're going to be, um, I suppose, uh, tallied up with some body more um, technical staff. That was one thing that was put into the into the to the press release. So it looks like it's going to be. I'm not going to say a hodgepodge, but it looks like they're going to rely on on some of the maybe the the, the academy um, uh, number crunchers and stuff like that, and performance analysts and things like that for the game on Saturday. And uh, it's it to, to me, I think that's absolutely fine. But what I think th- these three men that are in there are, are doing, and you can talk about Aston McPhee, and we've given him you know both barrels an awful lot um, on this podcast. But having holdovers and having having mainstays, the likes of big uh, Neil Cutler and stuff like that, I think that it kind of proves it's worked in situations like that. Albeit, it's kind of a situation whereby it's something you do, but you never really ever want to have to use it. If that makes sense, uh, would I be would I be right in saying that, Paddy? Or do you think that these three guys are going to be people that will most likely be shown the door once the new manager comes in? Um, like uh, as I said previously, I, I I do think that these are. 
uh, the inside men from from the, from the top down. These are the guys that they they turn to for all situations. Uh, we we've discussed it many times. I don't know why Aston McPhee is there. I don't know if he is a set-piece coach. I don't know if he offers something else. There's a reason why he's there. I honestly don't know what it is. The other two, absolutely, Aaron Danks, very res- well-respected coach. Neil Cutler, obviously one of the best goalkeeping coaches in the country. Absolutely fine having both of them there. Will they offer anything else on Sunday? They can't, really. They've only got one day to work with the players. The players are back in today in recovery. They'll train tomorrow. Can't train at full pace. They might do a little bit on tactics. The tactics are not going to change between now and Sunday because they simply don't have the time. So what we will see is the same team from what I would imagine, with the exception of probably Maddie Cash starting ahead of of uh, ahead of Bednarak. And who knows what, what they do further up the pitch. But I, I can see a very similar setup to what we're used to unless they go absolutely gung-ho all together and change things, which would be unusual, let's say. I don't think they're going to change too much, and I think that that's right, because like when you look at Bednarek, like Stephen Gerrard rolled, the, not once I rolled the dice with him last night, but he took him off at half-time. You know, so he was willing to start him, he was willing to play him, and then he was willing to blow up his plans almost immediately as he started it. So it just showed there was no conviction. It was uh, like, for me, it, it seemed like it was a bit of a Hail Mary. Um, to, to, to see what happened. Okay, we maybe try this three at the back. And, on pay, and once again, some of the things Stephen Jarrett did on paper looked great, but he could not translate it onto the field, but it was a communication issue, but it was an in-game tactical change issue, which we've been very critical of. Just couldn't happen. Be interesting to see if we just set up in an awful lot less complex way <clears throat> um, at the weekend, and we just literally say, okay, guys, this is the way we're going to play. We're going to keep it tight. We're going to come here. Try not to. Or we're going to come to Villa Park. We're going to try not to lose. We're going to try and hit them on a break. And let's see what happens. Because Brentford are going to want to own the ball. They're going to want to get it around their back three. The likes of Pinnock and uh, and the other guys they have in the back there. You know, they've got a lot of pivots in midfield. They love to play Jan Lennon there in midfield. And then obviously they've got the goal machine in Ivan Tony, who looks like he's leapfrogged Ali Watkins and a lot of other strikers. And I know when I say, uh, no people are going to say Ollie Watkins never had a chance of getting to the Euros. I'm talking about over the last 12 months, he's leapfrogged Ollie Watkins and gotten into that England squad and would probably be on the on the plane to Qatar. And that kind of shows the the change in, in trajectory for those two players. Um, you know, one had the seat and lost it, and the other guy is now has worked and gotten mm-hmm. the seat and doesn't look like he's going to lose it between now and... and uh, may, he may not feature an awful lot for England, but it looks like he's going to get an experience of going to a World Cup when Ali Watkins won't. So, like, that team that team in Brentford is going to be very difficult to beat, but I think that, essentially, like, I wouldn't be... Like, as you said there, Paddy, I wouldn't be expecting fireworks at the weekend. I would be expecting a dog to dig the trench in front of the goals and try and defend it kind of performance. And I mm-hmm. think that's really what, what I'm expecting, and I think it's what, what we will get at the weekend. That's exactly um, it. I'm expecting a performance that we saw pre-Chelsea as opposed to the Chelsea performance. Um, there's one man who I completely overlooked when we were talking about this in the comments there. Ashley Young for assistant manager. Maybe not assistant manager, but he, he'll be vital on, on the weekend. He'll, he'll, he'll be a go-between between those coaches and the players. And I think he'll be pivotal to whatever happens on, on Sunday. Yeah, Ashley Young won't be... Uh, well, in the future, I don't think Ashley Young will be um, will be assistant manager unless he can speak Portuguese uh, <laughs> or Spanish or English. We don't know anything. 
<laughs> we don't know anything this today. I'm just throwing out there about Ruben Amarin, um, for because his name has been mentioned mentioned earlier on. But yeah, look, I but but look, why would he be assistant manager when he's our best left back at the moment at this moment in time? So like, no, well, I know he said assistant manager, but what I'm saying is he's going to be pivotal over the next few days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah or the yeah. go between between everybody himself and 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 the leadership group within within the squad. So, uh, well, I don't envisage. Any any wholesale changes really, um, it like part of me is is glad that I'm going on Sunday. The other part of me is going, oh, what am I going? What am I letting myself in for? What's it going to be like? Is it going to be damage limitation? Are we going to park the bus? I honestly, I I could not tell you until ten or fifteen minutes into the game on Sunday exactly what's going to happen, unless there's something mad in the team sheet when when it comes out at at, at one o'clock. Yeah. I think so too. Um, I don't. I'm not expecting any changes. But look, we and the fan base in the main wanted the manager out. We've got the manager out. Yeah. Now what what I'm beginning to see is that there's there's a negativity shift beginning to switch now to the players in the field as well. And look, that may be the case, but we've got a transfer window. We can't get rid of the, any players, that, or we can't yeah. get any new players in to replace them. And blame, so, blaming you know. the players now when you wanted the manager out is absolutely pointless. And look, we we can we, say. We, that, they're underperforming as well. Oh, they're absolutely underperforming, but they're underperforming because of how they've been put out there. Bear in mind that we've we've a couple of new signings to come in this weekend, depending on how they get on with the new coaches. But uh, if if Matty Cash, yeah. Cash is not able to play, we might have Freddie Gilbert at right back. We might see Morgan Sanson come in for Douglas Louise. We just don't know. So there's a lot of things that could a lot of things that could happen. A lot of mad things that could happen, but. Uh, I don't know how they're getting on with, 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 with those other three coaches, so we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Um Yeah, like uh, as I say, we can there's uh, and don't I, I don't want to tell anybody how to fan you can you can go to Villa Park and you can boo your lungs out. You do what you like, like you pay your money, you do what you like. Yeah, exactly, yeah. pay your money, you do what you like. And and, and I I genuinely believe that, you know, you can do whatever you want. The, but uh, the one thing so, I will, my thing is we, we can't change it now. Until yeah, the January one thing I will say, Scott has just said, if we can't convince the manager, sacked by PSG, uh, sacked by Spurs, and out of work to take his job, what hope have we got? Well, the only thing I will say to you, Scott, is, is you're reading here, you're reading hearsay, you're reading hearsay all day, until you hear somebody say, no, I don't want the job, or the club say we offered the job to somebody and they said they didn't want it. It's all a load of tripe. We can't, we can't be fanatical about the team and thinking that mindset at the end of the day our, we we've entrusted the, these owners to go and pick the best guy to go and lead us a bit fo- to, to go and lead us forward now whoever that is we get behind them if there's if there's a couple left behind that that decided not to take the job we'll find out about it eventually but don't don't be believing the tripe you're reading today because at, to me, it seems like it. It. It was last night was just the final straw. I don't really think we're too far down the line with uh, with negotiations with anybody. So forget the pundits, forget the journals, forget the ITKs, and just just get, get behind the team on Sunday. I think that's all we can do. Why is Pochettino sacked by Spurs? I don't care. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. And no, I I can't believe that. 
On the 19th of November 2019, Pochettino was dismissed by Tottenham Hotspur with the side plays 14th in the Premier League, with Chairman Daniel Levy citing extremely disappointing domestic results as the reason behind the dismissal, and Poch was succeeded by Jose Mourinho. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And that went well as well, didn't it? I, I yeah, I, I just I didn't remember whether he was sacked or not. Well, I, didn't, like, I didn't remember whether he, whether he left yeah. or whether he was sacked. Um, but still, I, 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 I wouldn't suppose like there's, there's sackings and there's sackings. But then again, I wouldn't read too much into it too. If 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 he believed that Mourinho was going to be the next savior and Mourinho was free at that moment in time, maybe he felt that was the time to to let Pochettino go. I don't mm-hmm. know. I can't remember. And, and once Mourinho is involved, my eyes tend to glaze over and not give a shiny shite about what's happening. So the same would be if Mourinho was mentioned in a conversation of managing us. I would just go, I don't want to be part of this conversation because mm. I absolutely despise the man. Um, for, for the record, I'm less hopeful uh, than at any time I have been that we will that Pochettino will be in the dugout. In fact, I would probably give it about a 10%. Chance at this moment in time, but then again, I don't know anything. I, I'm just going on what I read and what I hear as well. And I, as I said, no, I'm not. I, I know I'm talking about Ruben Amarim. I'm not fixating on any man. It's I suppose Ruben Amarim is just somebody that I mentioned, and uh, I think uh, Algi mentioned it to me that it was the um, the fifth of of November last year that I was talking about him as as a potential candidate to replace uh, Dean Smith. I just like what I've seen from him more so than anything else. But as I said, yeah. there's more than one way to skin a cat with managers. Exactly, yeah. we, we, manager. we don't know who, who that manager is going to be. If if it is him, I'll get behind him. If if it's Pochettino, I'll get behind him. If it's Brendan Rodgers, I'll get behind him. Uh, if it's Andre Villas-Boas, I'll get behind him. If it's Jose Mourinho, I will not get behind him. I will be so pissed off that we brought another circus yeah, to Jose Mourinho. Door. I, um, I, what I, guys, I'm going to make, I will pay 200 quid to the Aston Villa Foundation and I'll do a, ju- uh, a just giving account or whatever, shave my head if it's us in right. Okay. The point, I'm, the point <laughs> I'm making is I don't want another circus. And this, this guy here, get Rafa Benitez, uh, Arsenal fan for life, obviously, is an <laughs> Arsenal fan. Uh, I, I, we don't need another circus. We, we, yeah. we need stability now. We need a manager that we're going to bring in for the long term and, and, and let him have a good go at this, how he sees fit, because there's a lot going on. There's a lot, there's a lot at stake here. We fall a little bit further over the next coming weeks. It's going to be very hard to attract players in January, and that is my biggest, biggest fear. Yeah. Um, all right, lads, let's, we're just going to say here, Tony Poulos is going to be the next Villa manager. Uh, that'll keep some people happy. Uh, because 
apparently that's the way things are going. Um, in in some look, as I say, that's this is the thing. You know, we can get to you can get too high end managers, but it's worth discussing all these things because you never know what's going to happen until it happens. And okay. you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell any. I, I I'm categorically saying there is no fan that's wrong. If you believe Tony Pulis, Sam Allardyce, or Sean Dice is going to be the next manager, and that's the expectation that you have of this club, that's fine. I, I genuinely, I, I it's and this isn't me being patronizing or anything. That's cool. That's absolutely fine. But I don't think you're wrong. But I also don't think that anybody else is wrong to think that Pochettino, that we should be going for Pochettino, aiming for it and making a play for it. And I don't think the club are wrong to do that either. And I absolutely think they should because yeah. ambition is born from the top down. And if you don't go for these and you just settle for mediocre middlemen, then that's for, that's you know that's the way it will always be. So I think they should take a shot in, you know, you know that, uh, that, <laughs> that, uh, I think if you go into any pound shop in, 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 in Ireland or in the UK, you'll see shoot for the stars. The worst thing is if you miss, you'll land in the clouds. You know, think about something like that. <laughs> you know, we should shoot for the stars. I think you should shoot for the top managers. Look, if they turn us down, what about it? You know, what about it? It doesn't mean yeah. it's not a slight on, the, on me. I couldn't care less. I don't feel embarrassed that the club tried and failed to get a top manager. I certainly don't feel embarrassed. I feel enthused the fact that they actually went and, and and tried to have conversations with the top men and identified the top guys that were there. And look, as I say, we we will end up with who we end up with. We may be happy, we may be sad, uh, but the fixation, I'm not going to be fixated on telling anybody that they're right or wrong with regards to who they're discussing about being a manager with. And, and, and I think that that's fair because we will be linked with people. I think it's I think it's okay to talk about who we're linked with, whether you think it's fantasy or whether you think that it's it's below the below what the club should be should be looking at. And that's why I mentioned mentioned people like um you know that we have been linked to it there. Like like people this morning, Michael Beale was the favourite to be manager. I personally don't think Michael Beale is going to be the manager of Aston Villa. I personally wouldn't be happy if Michael Beale was the manager of Aston Villa. We've had other people like Sean Dyche has been linked. He's the third favourite this morning when we woke up. I don't know if I would be happy with Sean Dyche. We don't have wingers for number one, so I don't know would he would he suit our style of play. Yes, he knows what it's like to play in the Premier League and play down at the bottom of the league and, and, and might keep us up for a year. But, you know, I think there's other managers who can do that too. I don't know how I feel about, about Sean Dyche until I would see something more concrete. And then you've got other like people who talk about Thomas Tuchel. Thomas Tuchel's won a Champions League. I'm not 100% sure I would be happy with Tuchel either. Una Emery, I think I would like him right now. I'd like to dig in to see the way his team actually plays under Villarreal and then see would he fit our system because I don't know whether that would be the case. Um, and as I say, it's it's an interesting one and whoever we get, we'll, we will have people who will love it, we will have people who will hate it and I think that's just, that's really just football yeah. and as the, that's kind of, a, that's the nice part of football, it's the exciting part of football. I, I, I for one wouldn't be too worried about uh, hiring a manager that doesn't fit our system. I, I, yeah, in inverted commas because uh, we're very close to a transfer window although it seems far away there's six weeks of a World Cup in, in between that so that's going to change very quickly and changing your yeah. system could mean just bringing in two players be they on loan or, or be they a top dollar signing so I, I'm not worried about who we bring in once he can stamp his authority and he buys into us long term because that's what we need now yeah I think I think above all I think we need a man manager and a culture a culture builder as well um, as mm -hmm. a tactician so I think we we need a kind of a full package and look whoever it is we'll we'll discuss them in their pluses and their minuses and uh, I've got a funny feeling we'll find out sooner rather than later because I will be superbly critical of the brain trust if this is a long drawn uh, process that lasts even if it lasts into the middle of next week I'll I'll criticize the process. And maybe the knee-jerk action 
that they've had and why wasn't this lined up lined up beforehand. But I will also remain open minded as to who who they do pick towards the end. Um, but at the moment, as I say, we're less than what sixteen no. hours out, out gonna, since um, since as you say, whatever, whatever they decide to do, we get behind. You you know from the word yeah. go, I didn't want Gerard. He, he was he was just too fresh as a manager for me. Um, to be cu- coming and cutting his teeth at our big project, it is a big project. There's a lot of money in there behind it. Um, so now we've we've just got to pick the right man, get behind him, and and let and give him time to let him stamp his authority on, on, on whatever he wants to do. But Gerard had a year, didn't stamp his authority. A year is way too long when when you're talking about your, your Premier League survival being at stake. So for, for me, it was the right time to go. Hopefully we can get a few more points on the board with the World Cup and push us a little bit clear. And then we can attract players in January. We don't, well, I don't even think we need too many players, but we need to attract a couple, definitely. Uh, just to clarify, Andy, I didn't say sacking Gerard was knee jerk. I said maybe sacking him and not having somebody lined up. And if it is a prolonged, uh, a prolonged situation mm. whereby we have this uh, really unproven coaching team in Danks, McPhee, and Big uh, and Neil Cutler in there for a prolonged period yeah. of time, even if they took us up to the World Cup, that's too long. Um, I think that you know there should be a strategic sacking of Stephen Gerrard. You should have at least had somebody lined up to come in or be 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 far down the line with regards to that. So I think that's what I meant by with regards to knee jerk. There it could be a knee jerk reaction whereby they didn't actually plan to do it after Fulham. They planned to do it after Brentford, but they had more time to line somebody up. And now we're we we could be left in in a limbo for yeah. for a couple of weeks with regards to a long protract, protracted situation yeah. like they have at Wolves. I certainly would be highly critical of that. That's what I mean. I personally uh, don't think they set out to do that last night. Yeah. But if you if you get a chance, go and have a look at Max Stokes. What's what's his video called? Villa on tour, is it? Villa on tour. Yeah, yeah. Villa yeah. On tour. I had a look at it this morning. The DOA end was toxic. It was absolutely toxic. And if I'm the owner of the club, looking down on that, these these are the guys that put bums on the seats. These are the guys that buy the merchandise, yeah. they buy the beer, yeah. they buy the pies on the match day, they buy their programs, they spend their money in the ground. It has to be done right. So yeah, the time the time had come. It may have been knee jerk in that he didn't intend to do it last night, but I definitely think that barring winning every game between now and the World Cup, he was gone anyway. Guys, I've seen it a couple of times in the in the messages. What's a Reuben sandwich? Do I sound really silly when I ask that question? Am I am I incredibly uncultured? Um, asking him what a Reuben sandwich is like it's not ham, cheese, and tomato anyway. I bet you that's what it's not. Uh, <laughs> this is this is top class stuff because I am. Oh, oh yeah. Oh wow. Now we're talking. Corned beef, Swiss cheese, sauerkraut, Thousand Island dressing, dressing grilled between slices of rye bread. Rye bread. There's dinner sorted anyway, lads. Dinner sorted. Yeah, I gotta have to. I gotta have to have a have a look at that. Would you Would you take a Reuben sandwich over a pocket pie? That's the question. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That's for that's a podcast in itself. We're a culinary <laughs> podcast at Villa Park. But guys, look, we're here twenty four minutes. There's there's like we've done. We've rambled. I said at the very start we weren't going to talk about managers, and we spent fourteen minutes or so talking about managers. Um, I'm going to yeah. try and come back on later on tonight and do something on Ruben Amarim, just because, as I say, um, not because I'm fixating, just because he's somebody that that is so new. He's got an unbelievable backstory from the point of view of like we talk about inexperience and taking a chance on somebody without any experience and and, and hitting gold. But Sporting Lisbon can absolutely 
absolutely say that happened when they were right down on their knees as a club at that period of time and he's brought them lots of success since then so uh, I'm going to try and come on and do a piece on that because I won't be around tomorrow and God knows they will announce somebody tomorrow when I'm not around but uh uh, we're going to leave it at that, guys. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining. And thanks for all your comments. You know, it's 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 not an easy time to be an Aston Villa fan at the, uh, at, at the moment. But hopefully there will be an injection of uh, optimism, whoever we bring in. We're going to talk about everybody who we're linked to it. We're going to be critical of people if, they, if we need to be critical of them. But we're also going to try and see the bright side of stuff as well, if there is a bright side. So uh, we will be back as much as we can during this managerial search but i do really appreciate everyone jumping on and i really appreciate everybody jumping on last night we had you know it was a an absolute bevy of people on last night which is absolutely fantastic so <laughs> thanks a million everybody we're going to leave it at that and um, we will be back with the uh, team sheet tantrum on sunday so in the meantime stay safe stay healthy and all that's left to say is up the villa up the villa Podcast Network.